You are listening to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund podcast. This month we're talking to one of the great cartoonists of the past 30 years. He is one of the co-creators of Love and Rockets, which is pound for pound one of the best comics ever made. He's also produced a half dozen or more standalone graphic novels outside of the Love and Rockets universe that are all worth checking out. Uh, Mr. Gilbert Hernandez, he is a... uh, outspoken and uh, hilarious and one of my favorite people to see on the road and it was great to finally get to sit down and interview him in a semi-formal semi-official fashion i hope that you the listener enjoys it as much as i did that being said here is uh, mr hernandez the moment i fell for you my name is Gilbert Hernandez. I'm co-creator of Love and Rockets comics for the last uh, 35 years, and I'm mostly known for my Palomar series, which featured a mythical Latin American town. Talk a little bit about uh, about where you started, and just to give us some context before we go into the more recent stuff. Well, pretty much I read comic books as a little kid, because uh, it was a good babysitter for us. You know, there was five boys and a girl, and my mom thought it was okay to read for us to read comics and copy from them and stuff, just because that means we're out of the way, out of her hair, you know? So, anyway, we gravitated to, uh, you know, just enjoying comics, uh, different kinds, and uh, that was always in us. Uh, when I got in my teens, I was more into, like, partying, you know? Had long hair, and I, you know, partied, and, you know, uh, wasn't that into comics, but, you know, it was, it was, this was like in the 1970s. I mean, I still liked them, but I wasn't as involved. And so when it came to have a life, and then, you know, when I was 20, 21, um, I had this big whole background of doing comics and drawing them. So, you know, my brother and I just decided we would uh, use what we knew just to make comics. And it was always intended just to be like an underground comic, just some little fanzine type thing. But uh, it took off pretty quickly, so we, we were lucky that way. And this was in Southern California? Yeah, this was in Southern California in Ventura County, Oxnard. And... You've been working on the Palomar stories since the since the 70s? Is that as far back as they go? No, the ideas for it came came from there, but I didn't really put them down yet until, uh, until the first, first uh, I don't know, first three, about the third Love and Rockets. That's when I decided to put it down as a, an official series, uh, you know, about this, the town and all the characters and such. But I had been working toward that, because I, I used to do science fiction stuff more often, but... What I found out is I just like the characterization more fun than the actual science fiction stuff. So um, that's why I never went uh, to do superhero comics because I, I would, at the time, I found the uh, characterization more interesting than the actual superheroics. Um, so anyway, uh, so with Palomar, I didn't have to worry about that. It was just all the characters. Did you know at the time? I mean, did you have any indication that it would be a thirty-year story? <laughs> no, no, I. I I never thought of it. Uh, I never thought of ending it. Um, I thought it might last a few years. Um, uh, it was pretty safe for me, actually, uh, to just continue it because the stories were just so easy to get into, and I could just, you know, go on with one story thread for years if I wanted to. So it, it just—it was more. I, I was looking at more like a comic strip that goes on forever uh, than a comic book, even though it was a comic book. But uh, yeah, I was just—I didn't really think about it, but I wanted to keep what made it good or what I think made it good and the readers made it good just keep that keep that going if not necessarily the same exact story, type of stories um, one of the things that I think people associate most with you is a pretty like 
uh, pretty, I don't want to say brazen, but a real kind of, the sexuality just, you, you don't you don't mess around. <laughs> well, that's because I, I, I thought, you know, I, was, I wanted to do comics for adults. And that's usually the first thing you think of when you do comics for adults. Um, it was mostly because, like I said, underground comics and European comics, and then I would look at movies, and there was sexuality movies, but and, and mainstream comics and comics there really wasn't. And it's gone back to that, actually. But uh, back, back 35 years ago, I just thought, no, I'm going to write this for adults and use the, use the sex as comedy, you know, most of the time. <laughs> Were you looking at a lot of the European stuff at the time that had a little bit more sexuality, like uh, heavy metal and stuff? Yeah, uh, I started getting heavy metal when I first came here uh, in the late 70s, and I noticed that they were pretty free with their sexuality, even though it was fun, like, like crazy science fiction stories, and, you know, stuff like Mobius, who could draw really well. So I just thought, I just wanted to uh, uh, um, lean toward that more than, you know, what was going on in the mainstream. What was the uh, initial response to to the kind of, the, the openness of sexuality in your book? I mean, I know it was kind of a different time, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like I said. It was men as uh, it's always men as an adult comic, you know, underground, leaning toward undergrounds in European comics. Uh, you know, I wasn't trying to you know ruin the Spider-Man party. It was just something else. <laughs> that's just that's just who I am. You know, uh, um, really, it was nothing. Um, a lot of people didn't like it because my trouble with me is I'm a real Jekyll and Hyde cartoonist. I'll have stuff people really like in my stories. And want me to do that, and then I have other stuff like the sex and stuff, violence, that they just really would rather me not do. But it's all—it's all one to me. I can't really. Se- I've tried to separate it, but it doesn't uh, doesn't really gel for me. Well, I mean, I guess the thing that I'm wondering about it is it's not really—they're not like sex comics. They're not like like right. pornographic in the kind of traditional sense. They're not about character. It's not titillating necessarily. <laughs> Um, but it is about sexuality. It's about characters who are interested in sex and want sex and need sex. And that's all like, and for some of the characters, it drives a lot of what they do. Yeah, I think that was at the, you know, because that was the early 80s when I started doing that. So I think that was sort of in the air at the time. Uh, you know, uh, like you watch, you know, um, music videos, the early, the early days, you know, uh, when they started coming out. And they're very highly sexualized. You know, they still yeah. are like the rap, hip hop videos now and stuff. But and the and the, and the, which gets me is okay. This drives me crazy. A Katy Perry video will come on TV, right? And you for what? You're with a bunch of people, and they'll say, "Oh, turn that. That's that's too sexual." I go, ten-year-old girls watch this stuff. What's happened to the world? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like what? This is for ten-year-old girls. Yet she's highly sexualized in her, a lot of her videos, and it's just a weird contradiction. It's just weird, and so. In the 80s, when uh, you know the pop videos started coming out, they're highly, highly sexualized and charged. And it was it. Uh, and then, and I, there was that period because of indie music was happening. That they tried to mellow out on that. They tried to back down on that. I can tell. Until the hip hop guys came, the gangster rappers. Then they started just totally exploiting the girls. And so everybody did. You know. So it's kind of weird. It's just weird to me. I think it's okay in a comic because you're not really hiring actresses to do this stuff, you know. I'm just drawing them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the sex will always bug people. That's all there is to it. I, I think it's weird, too, is that a lot of the stuff that has bugged people, particularly in the Palomar stories, isn't like... It's never been like the explicit sex that upsets people. It's... Uh, I, well, you you know, what what has upset people the most in your experience from the comics you've made? Well, in the early days, it was Luba, of course, because of um, 
you know, the way she looked and stuff. And I just, you know, I just wanted to draw a character like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, it's just sort of a reverse body shaming. It's like, you, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is, you know, shameful. I'm like, wait a minute, you're body shaming, you know. It's okay to, you know, look like this, but you can't look like that and be a human being, you know. So I just, I just stuck with it because I thought it was totally hypocritical, you know. Uh, I still do. <laughs> well, it's also, I mean, with Luba, like, she has enormous breasts, but there's also, there's a motherness to her mm-hmm. where the, the breasts aren't just, like, about sexuality. This is, like, a, it's a nurturing aspect to her. Yeah. Yeah, I was probably uh, just bringing out cliches from the past, you know, and, and, and just putting them in without thinking that. You know, I had to be, um, critics and stuff would bring up that stuff. And I went, oh, is that what I'm doing? Oh, okay. You know, I wouldn't <laughs> well, even, it's I don't an really aspect it. that isn't evident until you've read a little, you know, until the stories start to come together and you realize her role in the town and and what she represents to some of the other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, well, 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 one last thing on that is that, oh, yeah, even now when I'm doing uh, uh, Luba's half-sister, Fritz, is a lot worse. <laughs> you know, um, she's a, so much worse. But I did that on purpose because that's the kind of character I like to write—a real screwed-up person. You know, um, you know. Uh, but the thing is, uh, I just think what annoys me, and it's always has, is like, okay, is that all you see? Is that what you read? You just read that part of that character that you don't like looking at. There's so much writing in the characters. There's so much stuff going on otherwise, but they just focus on that. And they and they point the finger at me, you know, saying, "Well, all I do is focus on that." I go, "No, you're just focusing on it." Cause it's all about different characters and their children and their the adventures they have and all that stuff. You know, it's it's really just a hypocritical thing. So the the reaction to Luba going back all the way to the, the original stories that it was you started getting a blowback right away. Oh yeah, right away, and I expected it because if I was heard heard that, you know, I mean, look at a woman uh, in a movie, let's say. Uh, it's, it's it, a woman that looks like that in a movie. Hom- almost always is a joke character. You, right. you, they're, they're there. They're there for a laugh. They're rarely there for for uh, to, to sexualize people. It's, it's it's always there for a gag. And and so putting Luba that looks like that and making her a character and making her a real solid character, I think, you know, that has so much going on with her and her family, uh, they would just irritate me. Go, oh, you do. What's this? That's the trouble, you know. Uh, people used to show people Love and Rockets. Oh, this is good. Love and Rockets, Gilbert Stone's this. And then the same reaction. They'd open up the book and they'd see a picture of Luba, look up at me real slow with that look of like, yeah, okay, and then look back down and close it. I mean, I, I experienced that so many times. And I'm thinking, I mean, there's stories there. I'm spending, you know, my, I'm putting my life into these stories, you know. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's crazy. Um mm-hmm. But it's not going to change because people are just uptight about sex. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, in the more more recent years, the the standalone graphic novels that were, I, I guess they're the fiction from Palomar. They're movies that. Oh yeah, a couple of them are. Well, they're, they're actually yeah, they're they're the the character Luba's half sister Fritz is an actress, and I wanted to put her stories in Love and Rockets, but Love and Rockets is so short. There's not a lot of pages in there. You know, I wanted to put a more what was more important in the book so so I had in the back burner all these stories that, that would become Fritz movies as I call them so I started doing those uh, at first uh, they just take so damn long to do <laughs> I just kind of back, backed off they do they take so, I, I'm, I, I would rather not do a graphic novel these days because they just take up so much time and because uh, I have to I, you know if I want to put out a graphic novel I want it to be good and that takes a long time you know so 
so yeah, so, so I have those Ritz books, and those are, uh, uh, you know, and and that was at the time uh, a place for me to get, to really uh, have different kind of stories for way the way the character the settings for the characters and the way they dressed and, and what they were actually doing, crime stories and stuff. Because I, I never felt comfortable with that in uh, the Palomar stories. Uh, when I started doing the crime stuff, it, it, just, it, just, it just didn't work for me that well. So I tried to remove it from it. Well, some of those standalone graphic novels, they feel like they're more inspired by like Russ Meyer, like got a, they have like a grindhouse movie feel. Is that... Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, there's no reason for me to do a serious movie because I can do that in Palomar or I can do that in a Love and Rocket story or whatever. But this was a place to do, because uh, that's another one of my great influences is B-movies growing up. You know, I love B-movies and monster movies and you know, Grindhouse and that's the kind of stuff. Uh, you know, of course, I like a serious film, but uh, to actually emulate that, because like, that, that world is gone now. They, they keep trying to bring it back but it doesn't work um there's that whole grindhouse world of sleaze and you know weird movie posters when you're a little kid you go by the theater and you see these weird sleazy women in their underwear with machine guns you know <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> you can't you don't know how to process it when you're a little kid but there's something there something mysterious there then later on you see the movies and the trash but the idea that that could be an interesting story it always, always intrigued me well i like those graphic novels because they're so I mean, I mean this with all the love in the world. They're really weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> was there ever any response to those where people were just like, didn't know what, because they're very, very different than the Palomar stories. And they're really, there's some violence in them. That's very shocking. Um, I, I wonder if there was any response. Cause, and you also started doing them after people started to appreciate some of the more like literary elements the palomar stuff so i think mm -hmm. just when people were thinking of you as a super serious uh literary type guy you you dropped this crazy uh graphic novel or two on them yeah yeah it was simply to do to have it like a to do different types of stories in different places you know um i'm still working on fanographics um, uh, love and rockets to uh to, to lately, you know, I've been really pushing, trying to make it, uh, you know, a, a book for story, serious stories, for characterization, mm -hmm. you know, and just to leave it at that. Whereas the Fritz books and, and other books, um, I, I'm, I'm just weird. I just like weird stuff. I've, that's besides the B movies and Grindhouse when I was growing up, was I liked weird off comics. I mean, I liked the, you know, Superman and Batman and all that shit and uh, Marvel and whatever, and whatever you read as a kid, which everybody took seriously. But there was always smaller companies that just put out weird shit. And every once in a while, you know, I'd get a hold of it. <laughs> I, I just thought that was more interesting, you know. What was your favorite stuff that you remember of that, uh, of the weird comics? Just weird off-brands. Like, uh, there's an old, uh, like, there was an old uh, comic company called uh, Charlton. And the reason Charlton Comics, uh, the Charlton Comics were basically the comics you bought when you ran out of buying good comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there were just these little sleazy, uh, little kind of weak, weak versions of Marvel and DC, but they had good artists on them. And uh, and um, well, what it is, they owned a printing press. They actually owned a printing press. They uh, because they used to put out uh, songbook uh, magazines with uh, song lyrics on them, like song hits and hit parade and those. And that's what they do. Well, with those those old time printers, uh, they had to be rolling twenty four hours a day. So they started doing comics so they can just you know, put them out, you know, just, just keep them rolling. So they didn't really care what they were doing. And, uh, that didn't always work, but once in a while they would, you know, like 
Steve Ditko after he left Spider-Man, he went over there because they gave him a deal where we'll pay you $200 a page if, and you can do anything you want. Because, you know, in those days it was that flexible because they needed to keep them printers rolling. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, that, that and so they would put out little odd comics and it was just weird. Like uh, there's a series called Classics Illustrated where they you know, adapted uh, badly, usually um, serious novels and put them in comics and a lot of them turned out to be sleazy. You know, just the art, and they would just take the more sleazy elements and, you know, focus on that in these books. So I really like that, you know. And then later on, the undergrounds, which is, you know, I thought, we're all going to die, you know, when Crumb and those guys came out. But I was still curious. <laughs> um, did you follow any of the Ditko stuff? Because I see you know, a little bit of Ditko in your style here and there. Oh, yeah, he's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, ever since... Uh, um, he, before he did Spider-Man, he was doing comics like, you know, uh, Journey into Mystery and Amazing Adult Fantasy, where he just do little scary stories. Well, Kirby did the big monsters, did code, do ghost stories and shit. And he was just so good at it. I just loved his art because it was, like I said, it was weirdo, creepy art. You know, it wasn't pretty like you know Superman or something. And uh, and then he, you know, later on, and then he was doing that for that company Charlton. He did a character girl, Captain Adam. It was a superhero, but it was just, it was creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really creepy. It wasn't until he did Spider-Man where, where Stan Lee kind of reined him in, you know, and uh, just to be more pleasing to a, you know, general audience. But I always followed him because I thought, loved those comics and Doctor Strange and stuff. And then um, uh, the, the mag- horror magazines like Creepy and Eerie, um, they would hire guys like Ditko to do stuff in black and white, and it was just exquisite. They, those guys just went off on... Yeah, he was allowed. They they let him just go nuts. They could either do really fine pen, pen work, or they would just do wash, you know. And it was just brilliant. He just really went off and showed out what a great artist he was. Or the uh, like craft that. tent. Some of those dudes did craft tent, yeah. and it was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And a guy, an old uh, golden age artist who was a, a popular EC artist, uh, Reed Crandall. Mm-hmm. His stuff in the Warren books is all little little tiny uh, pen work, and it's just brilliantly beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, even though that stuff doesn't, you know, it doesn't show up directly in my my comics, it's there. You know, I just adore it so much that, you know, I, I just, it, it influences me somewhere along the line. <laughs> sure. Um, let's talk about Palomar for, for just a minute. In 2015, a parent in New Mexico tried to have Palomar removed from a high school library after her 14-year-old checked it out and accused some of the content of being um, pornographic, of having images of child pornography. And they went to the media with these accusations, and it was a fairly large news story. When you see a story like this pop up on online or, or on television, what's your, yeah. what's your first response? Well, to be honest, um, I'm going to sound like a Republican here, but I'm thinking... Who the hell's giving my comics to seven-year-olds, uh, seventh-graders? <laughs> the seventh-graders. I mean, go. This, this stuff's written for like I said, this is written for adults. Why are they giving my? Because there's so like I said, it's a Jekyll Hyde thing. They see so much uh, uh, girl power in it, and Latin pride, and all this stuff, and the kids doing great, you know, doing stuff that they think that's all. It, that's what it is. And then there's this other stuff. So you get somebody else looking at it, like a, a mom, and you know, as a seventh-grader. And she's just like, what the hell is this? So, okay, up to that, up to that, I agree with it. But then when she started going off saying it promoted incest and, you know, child abuse and all that, that's when they start. Now, now you know, that's just somebody with an, an agenda and they're just full of shit. So 
Pennsylvania. Basically, that's it. I do question my comics being, you know, given to seventh graders, though. Uh, they're for adults. You don't give zap comics to a seventh grader, you know. But there's some do-gooderness about Palomar and Love and Rockets that, you know, gets us into trouble once in a while, you know. <laughs> what, uh, you, you mentioned Latin Pride. Would you consider Palomar like a, like a political book along those lines? Um, it can be. Yeah. It can be. Only only because I don't think of it when I'm doing it. I am I do have a chip on my shoulder saying, Well fuck you, I don't see what I want to see, you know, my folks <laughs> you know, in comics and movies and stuff. So I wanna put it in my comic because I can. You know, th- but that's as far as it goes. When other people see it, they really get, you know, into it and they really you know, it's being taught in colleges and all that stuff. I go, With all those mistakes, with those hooters, are you kidding me? You know? So I let it happen. I, I don't argue with it, you know, but uh, I just it's it's you know it's good when it gets comes back to me and makes and they tell me how how much it you know it uh, means to them especially uh, Jaime um, you know he did Maggie and she's like a Mexican American girl she's got a little bit of weight on her oh, are you kidding women to this day women are just saying you know I never thought I'd see myself in a comic you know that that way and it's just great to see it and sure. I keep thinking about I keep thinking about blubber and stuff I go okay. <laughs> Um, let's talk about Blubber a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give the uh, the basic gist of, of Blubber? This is your current book. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, it's just a Zap comic. It's just it's a, an underground comic. Uh, the, it's really died out. Um, that the, the, the naughty, outrageous. I mean, there's a few artists. The outrageous, crazy. This is wrong type comic. But you know, if it existed 50 years ago, where where did they go? You know, it's like is 50 years ago cooler than today? You know. I mean, you have a few artists doing that, you know, here and there. You have, uh, you know, Johnny Ryan and Ben, ben Marlon and Josh Simmons, a few people. But as far as somebody like me, who has this, you know, reputation as a do-gooder, you know, classic artist, underground indie artist, you know, and doing something like that, it was just like, basically most people don't want it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, but there's people who do. So, you know, it's just done, I don't just, out, just outrage, just crazy comics like I used to see when I was growing up. Do you think that that? Kids. Do you think that that uh, world of undergrounds is completely? Uh, you think it's that, that barren? It's just it, it's probably out there more more, but you don't see it in the forefront. I mean, because you'll go to um, you know indie uh, like like Dink or you know SPX or Ape, and there might be some stuff there, but there, there's you won't see. It's not in the forefront. It's more of the you know. Uh, the little Adventure Time type comics, you know, and this and that. Um, so it's it just it just wasn't around, and I just did it because I just like doing it because it, it makes me laugh and I'm immature, and I just figured that, you know. <laughs> I mean, look at the Three Stooges are still on TV. People have been shitting on the Three Stooges since the beginning, and I go, well, they're still in the air. <laughs> yeah. You pop on television in the morning, they're on TV. I think that there's always got to be a place for something silly and gross and stupid but yeah yeah what's the response been to blubber it's mostly like um when i'll go to a a, like a comic store and the retailer the guy running the store just goes oh man i love blubber i give it to all my friends and shit (laughs) you know (laughs) it's it's those guys uh, women don't don't care about it they don't they're not interested as far as i know well what would you say your audience is mostly in terms of like men and women is it a pretty evenly split or is it with Love and Rockets and Palomar, it's evenly split. Um, and then probably when I work with on a DC comic, um, 
it's usually probably probably just a little bit more women maybe i don't know i don't know what the what the statistics out there you know for how many women are reading comics but um it's probably half and half mostly but then something like blubber comes up or even those fritz books uh they don't there's not a lot of women you know telling me how great they are sure (laughs) (laughs) they're just not you know they just kind of shrug and um, what what do you th- you know when we talk about how there's not a ton of books that are like not a lot of comics that deal with kind of an adult approach to sex or whatever, what why do you think that is? Do you think that maybe it got hit so hard in the '70s it burned everybody out, or do you think that it's just a new generation of everybody's worried about what they're going to say because of uh, social media and shit? Yeah, it's just so like you somebody says one thing and it's misread and just people attack like. Like with nuclear, you know, you, you know, nuclear hatred for something, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just it's, it's because this is giving given a voice to people who who like to talk that way, you know, and it's safe, you know, they they can they just hide behind their computer and you know, so it's it's think it's that people are just gotten paranoid about everything you say is now, uh, you know, everything is. Just you know, sexist, sexist. You're a sexist. You're a pig. Blah 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 blah. So I think we we're growing with a generation that say, okay, I want to check out Adventure Time because it doesn't bother people. It, people don't want to be bothered anymore. You know, uncomfortable. Yeah. And and it's just it's just a generation of that. You know, so I guess you know there's probably more to it, but it's just that they've and and not only that they're afraid or or, or shy of it, they're not interested. They like it, Adventure Time. They want that instead, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. I was talking to somebody who writes a lot of mainstream Marvel stuff, and they were talking about how like wrapped up people get in those characters and how upset they get about what happens to them. So you know, like Captain America that is taking a turn they don't agree with or whatever, and they take it so personally and get so upset. Do mm-hmm. you ever find people that are like that wrapped up in Love and Rockets that? you've done something and they take it like really personally that you've done something they don't agree with. Yeah. It doesn't get that crazy. I mean, people do get vocal, you know, but not, not as much as the, you know, the bloggers and stuff, you know, it's, it's not like that. I haven't really heard that much since ever since the social uh, network showed up. I don't get that much response that way here and there, but not, not a lot. So I would, it was just stuff I would hear at, at cons or maybe a letter or something. But never that, not that much. They're more, uh, they're more, they're more uh, about Jaime's work. You know, they're more delicate about that. That's, huh. Because it's their life. Sure. See, this is, this, is the, this is the whole thing. This is what, like you're saying, I didn't want that. You know, you didn't make it the way I wanted to. Now we've come to a point also of this, this super narcissism of where you're making the comic about them. And if you don't do it right, I'm going to let you know. Right, <laughs> and so that's how that's where we are now. It's like all all indie comics are about, and kind of superhero too, are about the reader. That it's about them. You made this comic about me. Where am I in this? I'm not in this. See, they don't see themselves in Blubber or in the Fruits books, you know. And that's why they're not talked about because they're not in them. I grew up reading comics that had nothing to do with who I am, but I just enjoyed them anyway, you know. But it's it's just different now. It's a different it's a different generation. That's really odd. I mean, I've never yeah. thought of it, but you're yeah. It's it's really think about it. It's like oh well, this comic's about me. Why did you make my hair that way? I don't like my hair that way. That's sexist. 
you know, right away. It's this battle, this combativeness, you know. And it's like, and so I just figured a lot of my comics aren't as popular because they're not about the people that are reading them. They're stories that you observe. See, I would assume that people get more invested in your stuff because there's so much, like there's a, the, uh, generations and you know the stories like very immersive not that Jaime's aren't but yours have like a the world is bigger in a lot of ways you know yeah it just I don't know it won't you know what luckily I don't get I don't get nasty stuff that much it's usually sad stuff like oh what happened why did you do that oh why did you do that happen to her oh I felt so bad for her so that's nice actually yeah you know? they'll, they'll, they'll connect that way but it's usually like oh they're worried about the character you know? right I don't get a lot of nasty stuff. Naiman doesn't either. He gets it a little bit, but uh, really, Lone Rockets is, uh, it doesn't get it too bad. But man, you turn Iron Man into a little black girl and you're, you've got to fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so right now you're working on, still working on Love and Rockets. Yeah, the next issue, number three. Well, it's, no, it's number three of the new series, but it's actually like, yeah. do you know what issue it would be if it was still going from the first one? God, from the very first one? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> I, sh- I should look it up. I should check it out. I, no, I don't know, man. Somewhere in the 50s, maybe? Does that sound right? Uh, probably. It might be more. Yeah? Maybe more. So we had the color comic, or, or the comic book size one, and then the, and the big book. So maybe, yeah, something maybe 60-ish. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. Um, you got Blubber is still coming out? Yeah, there'll be a few issues, and I think I'm going to move it more toward uh, human stories. Uh I want to do the monster stuff just because, you know, I have that kind of imagination and I like trying big monsters. And <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, I'm going to start moving it toward more adult material with just characters, but, you know. Uh, in other words, not just gags, not just goofy, funny stuff. Sure. Um, and it probably will fit up, so. Do you want to explain the uh, the Adam and Eve book? The little... Oh, that was... No, it's just something to get uh, to, to get noticed to rankle, the, <laughs> rankle, rankle the Christians. That was just um, because it was right before Blubber, and I was thinking, I want you know I've always liked the package of these little little small books. Like if you get books in uh, Italy or Mexico, that they would put out their their comics in like little books that just had two panels on a page, you know, kind of like manga. And I always liked those because I got a, you know got the, got a few of those, and I just liked that, that as a package, this cool little pocket package. And I always thought about doing that, but there was no reason to do it. You know, there's no... So I just thought, well, you know... And then it just came to the point... I don't know what what inspired me. Oh, I think I was reading Crumb's book on the Bible. And I just thought, God, there's no sexuality in here. There's no... You know, there's nothing. There's nobody loves each other. There's no pretty people. And so as a gag, I just thought, well, I'll do Adam and Eve, but I'll make it all like... I don't know, I'll just do a porn one. You know, it's just that simple, you know? And I was going to do it as a comic book and all like that, but nobody's going to care. So it has to be noticed in the packaging. So we talked about it, you know, at Fantagraphics, and I said, I'd like to do it like a little book. And Eric Reynolds said, yeah, great, we'll make it like a little, prim- you know, like a little Bible book. And then and we'll make it in color so it'll get noticed. I went, oh, great. So it just kind of fell, fell together that way. And I just wanted to break out of the do-gooder thing, you know. I just went, okay, do porn Bible comic, you know. It's, <laughs> it's a funny package because it kind of looks like one of those little bibles that are you know in the hotel drawer because it's got like yeah. the, it's like leather bound kind of and and then you flip through it and it's uh 
But it actually has a story. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I know it's Adam and Eve, and I just kind of, you know, just superficially adapted it that in the story of Noah. But uh, but I gave it. I gave space to just them walking around and talking. You know, <laughs> and so. Is that the most explicit thing you've ever worked on, or? No, Birdland was. Birdland was was, was more so. What I want you to do is talk about a handful of books. If you wanted somebody to find your stuff and really get an idea who you are as an artist and a writer, what would you send them to? Um, I would say uh, the, the reprints of Heartbreak Soup. You know, it's called mm-hmm. Heartbreak Soup. And, uh, and and probably the sequels, Palomar and uh, Ophelia and those. Um, and then uh, I, I, as far as, I would send them to Julio's Day and Marble Season, which I really like. Th- those are not Love and Rockets related at all, though. No, no. Oh, you want just Love and Rockets? Related? No, no, no. I'm just, just, I'm just uh, making it clear that these are completely different. <laughs> oh yeah. But those are nice books, man. Those the production on those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not crazy about drawing large anymore. Mm-hmm. I had to draw large for those. But uh, I thought uh, I, I like uh, Marvel Season just because it's it was a nicer side of my childhood. You know. Sure. <laughs> And then probably the first for its book, Chance in Hell, even though the, the last page doesn't belong in it. Uh, probably that story. And, uh, yeah, pretty much those. And if they want to see me, who I am as an adult, you know. Oh, and you did a couple of books at Vertigo, too. Oh, yeah, I've done, I've done it. For, my first graphic novel was at Vertigo. It's called Sloth. Mm-hmm. That was my first one. That was tough, man, because I'd never done it before. And it was a funky size. Yeah, it was a weird size, weird cover and everything weird. But it was, it was, and I had an editor because normally I don't have an editor that closely with my, 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 you know, graphic novels. So it was just kind of, it was just a little weird. That was tough. I just had to learn. It was a learning experience. Gosh, if you look at your shelf of everything you've published at this point, it's got that's a lot of books. Yeah, yeah. At this point, yeah. <laughs> that's a, a pretty pretty solid library. Um, cool. Thanks for talking to me, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, sure. I hope you can get something worthwhile out of that. Your wonderful dreams come true. A newborn feeling had me reading. I said to myself... Big thanks again to Gilbert Hernandez, and I encourage anyone who is not familiar with his work absolutely to check it out. He is, um, without exaggeration, one of the great talents in comics today. The CBLDF podcast is donor-supported and also made possible with a grant from the Gaiman Foundation. We always appreciate your donations for this and for uh, our other program and and legal defense work. You can find out more about the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund at cbldf.org or check out any of our various social media feeds, all of which are under CBLDF. My name is Alex Cox. I'm the editor, producer, and, uh, and sometimes host of this podcast. The music is by the Django Reinhardt Orchestra. And we appreciate you tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please recommend it to a friend. And uh, please rate us on iTunes when you have the opportunity. Thanks again for listening, and please tune in next month.